feel like we're around a campfire right now, and we're ready just to throw some kindling on the fire and really get it stoked. That's a good picture. Yeah, so here we go. You guys ready? To declare this with me. Father God, Father God, as we worship you today, we declare over our lives, heaven opened, earth invaded, storehouses unlocked, miracles created, dreams and visions, angelic visitations, impartations and divine manifestations, anointings, giftings and calls, provision and resources. Soul saved from every generation, saved and set free, carrying kingdom revelation. Thank you, Father, that as I join my value system with yours, you will shower favor, blessings, and increase, that I may have more than enough to co-labor with heaven and see Jesus get his full reward. Hallelujah. Awesome. You want to pray for us, my dear? Yeah, Father, we just, God, we just come before you tonight. We just lay everything down. We worship you. We just abandon everything tonight. Come have your way. Do what you will in our service tonight, Father. I just love you. First in the natural, then in the spirit. The rain is coming. Sometimes it's just a matter of, of waiting upon the Lord, receiving. So let's just take a minute and wait.
Titus chapter 3 says in verse 4, and we read this, I read this out when we were having our prayer time before the meeting. At Titus 3 verse 4, when the extraordinary compassion of God our Savior and his overpowering love suddenly appeared in person as the brightness of a dawning day, he came to save us not because of any virtuous deed that we have done but only only because of his extravagant mercy he saved us resurrecting us through the washing of rebirth we are made completely new by the holy spirit whom he splashed over us richly by jesus the messiah our life giver. I'm going to read verse 6 again. Just, just receive this from the Lord. He saved you. He saved us. He saved you. Resurrecting you through the washing of rebirth. You are made completely new by the Holy Spirit whom he has splashed over you richly by Jesus the Messiah, your life giver. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for the washing of rebirth, for resurrection power, making us completely new by your spirit. Thank you, Lord, that you have splashed us richly with your spirit. You have poured your goodness over us. You are our life giver. So verse seven says, so as a gift of his love, and since we are faultless, innocent before his face, we can now become heirs of all things, all because of an overflowing hope of eternal life. How true and faithful is this message. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your gift of love. Thank you for the power of your blood that makes us faultless and innocent before your face. And thank you, Lord, for the inheritance. Your word tells us we can now become heirs of all things. Thank you, Lord, that we are co-heirs with you, King Jesus. Heirs of all things, everything we need is in you. Everything that we need in life for this life is found in you. You are our strength, our hope. You are our joy, our song. You are our purpose. We find our hope is in you, Lord. We place our hope in you tonight. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for the power of your spirit and the power of your cross and the power of your word. Thank you, Lord. So our prophet
prophesying prophet prophetic class people do you have a prophetic word to share picture barbara not right now okay <clears throat> pam okay judy 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 Isabel's taking the prophetic class, Bell. Do you have anything that the Lord's showing you tonight? Something you're painting on the canvas back there? No? Kelly, prophetic word? Here we go. So I saw this picture. Uh, this is for you, Scott. Um, I, I saw this picture of kind of an atmosphere of weight just being broken. And I felt the Lord saying, I felt the Lord saying that you would have this vision for 50 plus 60, maybe 50 plus 60 years of time for the family. Um, and it kind of goes in line with something that we were talking about earlier on during prayer. The prayer that we were talking about, uh, what was that we were speaking about, Barbara? Do you remember? It was something to deal with. with uh, anyhow, it doesn't matter right now. Yeah, but it was the prophetic. And uh the the go it was about going forward not just like taking what we have um and rebuilding from the past but going forward from what's already given to us like it, you know like learning lessons from somebody who's got 30 plus years of experience so going forward in this vision from what we've already been given so that's that's from the lord i receive it receive it everybody's so quiet tonight but I'm okay with that I'm okay with that you guys doing good oh yeah so the last time we were here I can't come in it was uh, our prayer night I had come in with a raging raging cold and Y'all prayed for me, and, and in like 20 minutes, it was like 85% gone. By the, by the time I left, like maybe 95%. Oh, well, I went home, went to sleep. I woke it was I was fine. I woke up the next day, raging cold. I mean, all the symptoms. So I thought, okay, well, I'm just going to sleep through this. So I, what happened was I put on an audio book from Randy Clark on healing. <laughs> And I woke up to um, an anecdote that he was talking about a fellow who he and his wife wanted to go on these healing excursions that they have to South America. But uh, he had a drinking problem, so for two years he couldn't get past that so he could go along. And then the third year he fell off the wagon, so he didn't make it. So the fourth year, um, all was clear. He could go, and he and his wife, and Randy and his team, you know this story. Oh. Uh, so he went to South America, but he missed the flight. So he catches the next flight down there. So by the time he gets there, he's been up for two days. He has never prayed before in his life, but this is something he's really wanted to do. And so he gets down there, and he's just praying to God, just give me an easy one, like a cold maybe a stomach ache just somebody easy that I can get through this and as he's praying to God to give him an easy one here comes the man right toward him in a wheelchair just oh boy so he says well okay I don't know what I can do as far as healing goes but whatever happens 
this man will know that he is loved. He will leave here and he will know that he is loved. So he was praying and he was just bringing all the love that was in his heart and Christ that was in his heart, praying for this man. He was so tired he kept nodding off. He had a hand on his chest and a hand on his back and he was nodding off and falling asleep on his shoulder. All of a sudden the man just stands up and is he's healed. He said he had he was a, um, a policeman, had been shot through the spine, was told that he'd be a paraplegic his entire life, and boom. So um, anyway, I woke up listening to this story and I didn't have a cold. <laughs> so I think, okay, like the word for me, the takeaway on this one is it, love is the source of everything. The love that Christ has in our heart, the love that Father has for us, the love that the Holy Spirit, when we take that into our lives, we start manifesting Christ through love in our lives. Boom. It's just that simple. It's just that simple. I've got more. That's good. Awesome. Yeah. Wow. Awesome. That's all the more reason why we're so excited to do this class on healing starting Friday. It's, you know, Randy and Bill, it's going to be kind of back and forth between the two of them sharing on their testimonies of how they got into the healing ministry and and it just goes deeper from there, the theology of, of healing in the church today. and <clears throat> Yeah, so it's going to be good. You know, I, I just I felt like when we were worshiping that the Lord told me, directed me to, to go into the word tonight instead of going right from worship into declarations. I feel like at the end of what, what we should do, uh, we should read some scripture together. But at the end, to, to put an, a cap on our evening is just to begin to prophesy over each other. Just to take, maybe we'll take five, maybe ten minutes or however long it goes. We can all just kind of come in a circle and just pray out, pray out over each other. Just declare. I already felt like I was just seeing myself. That's kind of what, how prophetic stuff works. You see yourself doing something and then you just go do it. For instance, one day I saw myself outside of the post I was outside the post office loading my truck but I saw myself going over to a, a co-worker and putting a hand on him and, and praying over him and share and just encouraging him after I saw that in my imagination I went and actually did it and he was totally blessed so I saw myself just uh, in this prophetic moment at the end of our meeting tonight for for you Pam as just like Fire, as reminded of our trip to um, the Dominican Republic, and the only words that I really knew in Spanish were were fuego, fresco, fuego, fresco, mas, 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 mas. <coughs> Excuse me. So I just felt like that's that's what God has for you in 2022 is fresh fire. <laughs> no, I, and I'm not just pulling you know easy little christianese words out of the air <clears throat> just to make you feel better i really felt like i could see fire on you and you and this doesn't have to be six months down the road into this new year i feel like something is going to snap something's going to break and you are going to just have this explosion it's not going to be like a, a gradual increasing fire that just gets hotter and hotter and brighter and brighter you are going to like combust 
and you're going to catch on fire. And in that fire, there's going to be this Pam-style prophetic anointing that breaks out on you. I feel like it's just going to come, and you're just going to be with that, that tenacity and that aggressive nature that you have. And it's, it's not going to be out of the Holy Spirit. It's going to be in, in his love and with his passion, but it's going to be fire. And you're going to prophesy. Out of that anointing, you are going to hear God's voice and speak it out. Something's going to combust. So I just, we, we want to you know, say yes and amen to that for you. And to, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, but I'd like us, you know, at the end of the night, if we could just spend some time and, and bless each other. I know we don't want to have church to become just a little bless me club. I always think of that. As people have said that, you know, church is not supposed to be an inward focused bless me club. But tonight it's going to be a bless me club. We're going to bless, we want to bless each other. I really, I want to bless Randall, because I know he's got some adventures coming up in a couple weeks. I want to bless, excuse me, I want to bless Kelly, because he's like, he's the continual, perpetual adventurer. Always got stuff that's, that's in his path. And, and for this lady here, who is just like, exploded in the things of God and over this last six months we just don't want anything to hinder that we want to like build a protective barrier around that and just push you forward we want to shove you forward no no that that's like shoving you out the door we won't use our foot but we just want to you know prophesy and declare God's heartbeat loud and clear so that you run and run and run into everything he's calling you into with all support of the church body around you cheering you on and for even for our kids for Isabel and Oscar and Ethan and Nora I just feel like God is going to do something big in your guys's life this year and he wants to make this is this one thing I know this one thing I know he wants to make himself more real to you than you've ever imagined he does not will for you guys to have a boring church experience so that when you grow up and move out of our home that you have nothing to do with church nothing to do with him okay it's his heartbeat his plan with that we would provide an atmosphere where you can encounter his presence very real very tangibly so I believe that that's what God has this in this year, and it's going to come early. I feel like springtime is the time of new beginnings, and I feel like by the spring, something's going to break. Something's going to come. It may not look weird and crazy like, you know, when you guys used to watch Randy Clark at Bethel and <laughs> people shaking and falling on the ground and oh, yelling and, and screaming and stuff. I mean, there were some screams. <clears throat> but you guys used to love watching that. You were like, man... I remember uh, our first Open Heaven Open Heavens conference, and you uh, were with mom watching it, you know, Ethan, and you were watching, uh, it wasn't Bobby Connor, it was Bob Hartley, a guy from Kansas City, Bob Hartley, you know who he is, don't you? You perked up, no you don't, you just perked up for a second, I thought you knew. <laughs> Bob Hartley is this, he used to be a youth minister, <clears throat> uh, Amy Burroughs knows exactly who he is, she's like, he's that weird youth youth pastor guy well he was ministering prophetically at the open heavens conference way back in like 2013 and he was just prophesying and giving words during this conference like crazy and i think he stopped someone brought him a mocha and ethan was like tammy told me mom told me about this later when i was delivering mail ethan was like he deserves a mocha he really needs it because he's working really hard but you know you guys have grown up watching a lot of this stuff 
seen little bits of it in our gatherings, but not enough to where it's like a regular thing. And I don't have an expectation that it's a regular occurrence that people are laid out all over the carpet, but it, it's happened in the past, and there's been powerful times where God has really showed his fingerprints on a, on a meeting that you guys have been in, but I feel like that's those are just little shadows of things about him that he wants to really make himself real to you to where you want to know him more where you want to get to know this this god and hear his voice for yourself and uh, he has because i know he has big plans for your life for your lives and for miss judy uh, i just feel like god's got some good things for you too and when we've been declaring stuff like debts paid off i feel like god is going to do something miraculous in your financial world. I know that you went through a major season this, this last three months of putting your house on the market and getting everything prepared and selling everything and putting, investing your what you have into a new place. And now you're kind of going to watch and see where all the cards settle to see where you're at financially. I feel like God just wants you to know that, that he has everything worked out. He is working it out. He works all things for the good of those who love him, for those who are called according to his purpose. So don't, I feel like the, the encouragement is to don't focus, overly focus on the checkbook and stressing over it because it's those little stressors and those worries that from the past that will try to come in. But he just wants you to keep your eyes on him and follow him, follow his lead, pay your bills, and follow his lead. You know, let him supply. There's, I heard a testimony in a couple weeks ago about somebody, I think it was in another country. Um, yeah, it was Johnny Enlow was prophesying at something about someone was going to be debt-free. Um, and it was a month later or something like that. He saw the same guy, maybe. Do you know what I'm talking about? Did you hear that? So this was Johnny Enlow uh, on the Elisha's list a few weeks ago. And so he gave this prophetic word, and that's a pretty risky prophetic word, but that guy checked his bank account, and somehow a transfer came into his, his account. The money came in. There was no, and it didn't have any source of where it came from. It was just deposited. So if, if God can, can work something supernaturally for a digital transfer in your bank account to come in, he could do all kinds of things. It may not happen that way. You might get a check in the mail. You might get some settlement money that, that you didn't think you were even going to ever get. And then all of a sudden it comes in. So I just want to encourage you, Mom, that put your eyes on the one who holds the wallet of heaven. Because his wallet, our daddy's wallet, is pretty fat. It's fat. P-H-A-T is. It's thick. He's got some money. He's the, he's the God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills to speak Christianese. So, Christianese, you know, the Bible says he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. It also says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So, we don't have to speak poetically and say thereof. We just say the world is his. Like, he made it, and that includes you. Like, you belong to him. You are his possession. Every breath you breathe, he has given to you as a gift. He owns it all. That means all the money that Bill Gates has, all the wisdom Bill Gates uh, had, and all the, well, not, not the dark wisdom that he has, but all, all the wisdom that he had to create Microsoft and all that stuff and become a billionaire. <clears throat> Same with all these other 
billionaires around the world, they got their wisdom from God. They got it from God. They, they owe an account. They, we will all owe an account to the one who has given us everything that we have. And the wealth of the wicked is stored away for the righteous. That's right. So our dad, he's our father. He wants them to come to him and become their father as well. But, but many of these world leaders and world wealthy people, um, they, they don't have God as their father. They are serving another God. They are serving themselves or Satan or whatever. Um, but they will have to give an account. And he wants them to come to him. He wants them to acknowledge him as the source of their, of their life and their wisdom and their, their worldly kingdom that they've created. <clears throat> so just keep your eyes on daddy. So bear with me, guys. We're going to knock this out. We're going to go through Ephesians, excuse me. The book of Ephesians, chapter 1 through 6. No, I'm just kidding. <clears throat> that would be something. <clears throat> we are going to knock through Hebrews chapter 11. And I felt like even as we were worshiping tonight, you know, Brian was singing that song, uh, How We Long to, to uh, Walk the Courts of Heaven, something like that, to stand with the heroes of our faith, that part. And with one voice we'll gather together singing worthy as Anyway, you know, you know the part. There's going to be a day when we get to stand with those who have gone before us. In fact, um, jumping ahead from Hebrews 11, we're going to go through Hebrews 11, and it's considered the, the uh, hall of faith. You, know, you have the hall of fame people in the world. Well, this chapter is the hall of faith. These are those who have gone before us that demonstrated great faith in the midst of all kinds of circumstances, some good, some bad, some ugly. Um, but at the end of all of that, at the end of that chapter, which we won't read tonight, in Hebrews 12, it says about all of those that have gone before us, including your dad and your mom, your parents, my family members, that my grandparents, my great uncles and aunts that served the Lord, that did all kinds of interesting stuff that I'd like to know more about, but those people that experienced the move of God in the early 1900s, those who have gone before us, your spirit, one of your spiritual fathers, you know, John Paul Jackson, um, others, many that you know. And I was even thinking about you and those that you, those, those warriors that, that lost their lives alongside of you, that those that you know that God had his hand on, they are a part of this as well. In Hebrews chapter 12, it says, as for us, we have all these great witnesses, all these people that have died, that have gone on before us, who encircle us like clouds. So I know people say, you know, grandma's up in heaven watching what you're doing. Now that might sound kind of creepy because people will say that kind of thing to get people to stop doing naughty stuff. You know, don't sin. Grandma's up there watching you. She's up there shaking her finger. No, 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 no. I mean, that's, that could be creepy because you're like in the shower or something. Is grandpa watching me? You know, that's, that's taking it into a weird place. But we don't know exactly how it all works, but, but we do know from this scripture that they are like a great cloud of witnesses encircling us, encircling us. They're cheering us on. They, so we must let go of every wound that has pierced us and every sin that so easily we fall into. Okay, two points there. We have to let go of things that people have done to us 
That means forgive. Let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin that we so easily fall into. So we want to we wanna get rid of the junk that, that gets into our lives and, and causes us to stumble, and we want to let go of offenses and, and forgive where we need to. Then we will be able to run life's marathon race with passion and determination. That's what they're doing. They're circled, circled around us, cheering us on. Just I could just hear them now. Run, run, run. We see the prize. We're looking in his face right now. Run the race. Okay. So here we go. You guys ready for some scripture? <clears throat> just sit back in your high chairs. Put on your bib. Papa Scott's going to get a spoon out here, and I'm going to spoon feed you some scriptures. Is that okay? <clears throat> I can't promise that there's no meat. There's definitely no bones, but there may be some meat. So hopefully you're old enough to have some chewing, some canine teeth in there to chew some meat. The word of God, we sang it tonight. Your word is like water. No, your name is like honey. Your spirit's like water. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. The word of God, it causes the light to come on. So let's check this out. You guys ready? Okay, open up. I can make an airplane noise, but no, that'd be weird. <laughs> the power of bold faith. And Tammy, at any point, if you need to grab this and just preach, do it. Now, faith brings our hopes into reality. Faith brings our hopes into reality. This is really important that we understand what faith is. I know I often say faith is, faith is spelled R-I-S-K. Well, that's part of faith. Faith goes way beyond just taking risks. Faith is the, the ability. Well, let me just let the word of God preach here instead of me. It brings our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. So faith is a foundation. Maybe I need you guys to split up because that's going to distract me and it's going to take us even longer to go through this. Okay, I won't look at you anymore. Everyone already knows who it is though because it's such a small group tonight. <laughs> okay, mom says move on, so I'm not going to look at you. Maybe with one eye. Okay, faith becomes a foundation we need our foundation to be faith so that we can acquire things that we long for. It is all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. We just need faith to see what we cannot see right now. Verse 2, the t this testimony of faith is what previous generations were commended for. Faith empowers us to see that the universe was created and beautifully coordinated by the power of God's words. He spoke, and the invisible realm gave birth to all that is seen. So a takeaway point about faith, it empowers you to see. It brings your hope into reality. It's a foundation. It's evidence that's required, and it empowers you to see. If you want to learn how to see the things that are in heaven, it takes faith. Faith enables you to, to have eyes to see into the spirit, into the future. It's a, it's a gift of God. <clears throat> faith moved Abel to choose a more acceptable sacrifice to offer God than his brother Cain. And God declared him righteous because of his offering of faith. 
By his faith, Abel still speaks instruction to us today, even though he is long dead. Faith translated Enoch from this life, and he was taken up into heaven. He never had to experience death. He just disappeared from this world because God promoted him. For before he was translated to the heavenly realm, his life had become a pleasure to God. And you can read about Enoch in Genesis chapter 5. Verse 6, And without faith living within us, it would be impossible to please God. For we come to him in faith, knowing that he is real and that he rewards the faith of those who passionately seek him. I don't feel like I need to expound on any of this. This is pretty, this is the milk part of the the teaching here. Faith opened Noah's heart to receive revelation and warnings from God about what was coming, even things that had never been seen. But he stepped out in reverent obedience to God and built an ark that would save him and his family. By his faith, the world was condemned, but Noah received God's gift of righteousness that comes by believing. There's just something about believing when you can't see. God is so pleased with it. He loves it when you choose to not look at what's right in front of you and be so discouraged and and brought down by it and look without being able to see with your with the eyes of faith look into heaven and know his plans and his that he is good that the outcome according to him will be good when when he sees us looking into the future that we cannot see but by faith taking hold of it and and hanging on that pleases god it 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 is a thing that makes god happy and he considers it righteous when we do that the the reward of our Blind faith, so to speak, is the gift of righteousness. Faith motivated Abraham to obey God's call and leave the familiar to discover the territory he was destined to inherit from God. So he left with only a promise, and without even knowing ahead of time where he was going, Abraham stepped out in faith. He lived by faith as an immigrant in his promised land, as though it belonged to someone else. He journeyed through the land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, who were persuaded that they were also co-heirs of the same promise. Just a quick pause on that. You know, stepping out in our own family to plant a church, we only went by one little prophetic word. God said, go plant that church. So we didn't know what it was going to look like. We didn't know. We didn't know what it would become down the road. We didn't know if we would ever get out of our living room. We didn't know we were going to go back to our living room. We didn't know we were going to be in this space right now. We could have still been stuck in our living room right now. We just, we, we don't see what the future is going to look like, but we, t- we took that promise of God. Just like Abraham, he got, obeyed the call of God. He just put his faith in God said to do something, so he journeyed into this promised land like a stranger in this land, like an immigrant, like, a, like someone who didn't really live there or belong there, but he was walking the land that he knew was his. And just like Abraham, you and I can walk in the land that we believe God has given us. We can take authority, we can take that territory and rule over it as a spiritual priest, as a spiritual king or queen. <clears throat> 
You guys doing okay? Okay. Speaking of Abraham still, his eyes of faith were set on the city with unshakable foundations, whose architect and builder is God himself. Sarah's faith, Abraham's wife, Sarah, her faith embraced God's miracle power to conceive, even though she was barren and past the age of childbearing. For the authority of her faith rested in the one who made the promise, and she tapped into his faithfulness. Now, I would encourage you guys to read this. This is the Passion Translation. Go back and read this chapter and look at the footnotes about Sarah because other translations will not emphasize her faith. It will emphasize more God's faithfulness to his promise that she would become pregnant, even though she was like in her 90s. So she was, what did Greg say that time? She was wrinkled up, pruned with a wig. So <laughs> she, <laughs> one of our, our spiritual fathers is just making a funny, you know, but she was old. She was, you know, a very, very old lady. Well past her years of having babies. And she became pregnant. And she named, because she laughed about the promise that God gave her, she named that child Laughter, Isaac. That's exactly what his name means. So she'd be reminded for the rest of her life being that kid's mom. Isaac, she probably had a smile on her face every time she said his name. So verse 12. <clears throat> In fact, so many children were subsequently fathered by this aged man of faith one who is as good as dead, that he now has offspring as innumerable as the sand on the seashore and as the stars in the sky. You cannot count the descendants of Israel, the Jews, that have, are alive right now and have lived ever since the time of Abraham. God gave this man who had no children, his wife who had no child, a promise. Out of you will come an inheritance in, in uncountable, Innumerable. Try to count the sand on the, on the shore. Try to count the stars in the sky. That will be your descendants. And that is exactly what God did with that man and that woman. And all they did was trusted God. They just believed what he said. These heroes, hope I didn't skip too fast. These heroes all died still clinging to their faith. That's going to be me, guys. When I die, I'm still going to be clinging to my faith. I hope that's what you're going to do too. Not even receiving all that had been promised them, but they saw beyond the horizon the fulfillment of their promises and gladly embraced it from afar. They all lived their lives on earth as those who belong to another realm. For clearly those who live this way are longing for the appearing of a heavenly city. And if their hearts were still remembering what they left behind, they would have found an opportunity to go back, but they couldn't turn back, for their hearts were fixed on what was far greater, that is, the heavenly realm. And that's exactly what faith does. When God gives you guys promises, it gives you something to hold on to, so powerful, even though you cannot see it, that you don't care what happens in this world. You don't care if the government takes over and starts chopping people's heads off for not getting the jab. Whatever happens, I don't, I'm just exaggerating, but whatever comes our way, whatever happens in our nation, in our world, we have a kingdom, we have a city whose builder and foundations is God. 
Everything that we see around us, everything in this world is temporary. It's, it's temporal. It can all burn. But what will last forever is the unshakable, immovable kingdom of God. And that is something that we may not see with our natural eyes right now, but I guarantee you, you will see it someday. And you will know that everything that we experienced on this life, in this life on this earth, was just like a vapor. Your time on earth is just like a phantom. Here today, gone tomorrow. Flash in the pan. Amen, brother. Right now, I'm watching, we are watching my 94-year-old mother get to the very end of her road. She's right in front of the curtain. She's ready to cross through the veil. And her life may seem like a long life, 94 years, but I bet you if you could have a conversation with her right now, which unfortunately her condition, she can't talk and express, but she would probably tell you it went by so fast. It was just weeks ago she told my dad, I don't want to die. So people who even make it to almost 100 years of age, they're trapped in this body, in this thing called time, and even after almost 100 years, it probably feels like it was just a flash, flash in the pan, as Brother Randall said, a flash in the pan. But that's life. You spray that mist bottle, watch the little mist go by. That's how our life is. And yeah, those that go beyond us, those who come right after us, they might remember us for a while, but they're going to get caught up in living their life not saying something to make you sad like you mean when I'm gone I'll be forgotten there's a good chance (laughs) I'm just saying most of us we remember those that have died ahead of us but we don't live the rest of our life always thinking about what they're doing we continue to walk this this life and the children that come after them after us the ones that never knew them you know it's just history. It's just a record. But hey, we have Snapchat and Instagram and Facebook. So there's, there is archives of evidence that you were alive here on planet Earth for such a time as now. Okay, we'll get moving in the scriptures here. <clears throat> Did we read all of that? Yes. Their eyes were fixed. Their hearts were fixed on what was far greater. That is the heavenly realm. Okay. So because of this, God is not ashamed in any way to be called their God. When we put our trust in him in this way, when we look to the eternal kingdom, the eternal things, eternity itself, it pleases God. He's not ashamed in any way to be called your God. And he has prepared a heavenly city for them and us. Jesus has been building this place for the last 2,000 years. He said when he was on the earth, I'm going to go away and prepare a place prepare a place for you. And when I'm done, I'm going to come back and get you. He might be done. I don't know. But I don't know. I like to imagine that he's still just making something really wild for all of us to experience when we get to be there. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Faith operated powerfully in Abraham for when he was put to the test, he offered up Isaac. You guys all know the story. That promised child, Isaac, Mr. Laughter, you're old people, and you didn't think you're ever going to get pregnant. God says, you're going to have a baby. <laughs> okay, God. Boom, I'm pregnant. Well, now this, this kid is like Ethan's age, 16 years old, and the really old guy now is going to offer him as a sacrifice because God said, take him up on the mountain. 
I want you to kill him. <laughs> Think about it, Ethan. <clears throat> Abraham was put to the test. God told him to do this. He was put to the test to offer up Isaac. Even though he received God's promises of descendants, he was willing to offer up his only son. Hmm, I see a type and a shadow here. For God had promised through your son Isaac, your lineage will carry on your name. He just obeyed God. He knew God promised something. So he went ahead and, and stepped forward with, God, with what God told him to do. <clears throat> Abraham's faith made it logical to him that God could raise Isaac from the dead. And symbolically, he did. That's exactly what happened. The power of faith prompted Isaac. Okay, so now we're going from Abraham and Isaac as a kid to Isaac as an older man. Faith prompted Isaac to impart a blessing to his sons, Jacob and Esau concerning their prophetic destinies. You can read all about that in the history books. Jacob worshipped. So Jacob, the son of, of Isaac, worshipped in faith's reality at the end of his life. And leaning upon his staff, he imparted a prophetic blessing upon each of Joseph's sons. Verse 22, faith inspired Joseph and opened his eyes to see into the future. You see the pattern here? The generations of faith this is what we want for our children and our children's children, that, that all of us together would, would grab hold of what is unseen, that we would take hold of the things of God and run through this life with passion, believing in what we cannot see, trusting in the one who, who has promises that we can grab hold of. <clears throat> so faith inspired Joseph and opened his eyes to see into the future. For he was as he was, excuse me, for as he was dying, he prophesied about the exodus of Israel out of Egypt and gave instructions that his bones were to be taken from Egypt with them. And you guys all know the story of Moses. Okay, here we go. Faith prompted the parents of Moses to hide at his birth to hide him for three months because they realized their child was exceptional and they refused to be afraid of the king's edict. Hmm, scriptural evidence that we don't always obey the government? Just saying, it's right here. The, mo the government at Moses' time wanted all of the baby boys to be drowned in the river, to be killed. But Moses' parents said, no, this baby, there's something special about him. They hid him, and we see in verse 24, Faith enabled Moses to choose God's will for although he was raised as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. You guys know the story. Pharaoh's daughter found the baby, brought him in, took him in as her own. He refused to make that his identity. So here we have royalty, the Pharaohs of Egypt, the Pharaoh at that time, his daughter bringing Moses into the house, having the Israelite ladies nurse him. Actually, his own mother, I believe, was one that was nursing him, pretending that... It's not my baby, but knowing it was. Growing up in the rich, wealthy kingdom household of the Pharaoh, yet Moses put his faith in God, in the God who he couldn't see, not in what he had <clears throat> the ability to take hold of for himself. He refused to make that his identity. Verse 25, choosing instead to suffer mistreatment with the people of God, Moses preferred faith's certainty above the momentary enjoyment of sin's pleasures. Should we all just get that tattooed on us somewhere? 
somewhere where you can see it, you know, like on your forearm. Put your name instead of Moses. Scott, right here. Preferred faith's certainty above the momentary enjoyment of sin's pleasures. I think that's a good thing. Maybe put it on a sticker above your mirror. Maybe just put it someplace where you'll see it regularly. Right? There you go. <laughs> okay. Verse 26. Moses. He found his true wealth in suffering abuse for being anointed more than in anything the world could offer him. For his eyes looked with wonder, not on the immediate, but on the ultimate. Faith's great reward. Holding faith's promise, Moses abandoned Egypt and had no fear of Pharaoh's rage because he persisted in faith as if he had seen God who was unseen. See, faith goes beyond just believing something that you can't see. Faith gives you the ability to actually see the one who is unseen. Some might say, well, you have a powerful imagination. But I believe that God wants to anoint your imagination. He wants to set his spirit on your imagination and sanctify it and let that, that place where you imagine, where you dream, become the, the hatchery, the nursery for the, the promises of God to come in and take form and become something that you can actually see with the eyes of your spirit and then seize that thing. Because what you can see, you can seize. You can take hold of it. If you see something that, that is not currently right here, you, you begin to see it with eyes of faith. It gives you the ability to grab hold of that thing and to pull it into your reality. I can't explain how it works. Just practice it. Practice your faith. You guys are doing good. Don't fall asleep, Ethan. It's almost over. <laughs> your sister will come blasting through that door like a little like a little miniature whirlwind ready to whisk you off to planet fitness and then you can think of that tiktok video i sent what really happens at planet fitness <laughs> it's interesting i should show you all verse 28 faith stirred moses let faith stir you guys it stirred Moses to, to perform the rite of Passover and sprinkle lamb's blood to prevent the destroyer from harming the firstborn. Think of it this way. When you take communion, it's a remembrance of what Moses did by sprinkling the blood of a lamb on the doorposts. Well, he didn't do it, but he, he instructed every household in Egypt to put the blood of the lamb, paint it on your doorframe, and after you do that, at midnight, the destroyer, the angel of death, is going to pass over all of Egypt, and all of the firstborn males are going to die. But every household that had that blood painted on the doorframe, the destroyer did not harm that house. They were protected by the blood of the lamb. So when you take communion and you remember that Jesus is the fulfillment of that Passover, that Jesus is your Passover lamb, you can take your communion with faith, grabbing hold, reaching back into the depth of what it really represents and bringing that protection, bringing... <laughs> those little uh, battery boxes are working. <clears throat> bringing the, the protection of heaven into your reality now, today, so that when you take communion, you remember what Jesus did for you. You're grabbing hold of something by faith, not just doing an empty ritual. So verse 29... Faith opened the way for the Hebrews to cross the Red Sea as if on dry land. 
But when the Egyptians try, tried to cross, they were swallowed up and drowned. You guys know the story. You've seen the pictures. They crossed over, and then the armies of Pharaoh swallowed up. Jericho and Rahab. <clears throat> Faith pulled down Jericho's walls after the people marched around them for seven days. It's not because they stomped really hard or blew the trumpets so loud that the vibrations caused those thick walls to come down. It was their faith and the power of God came and knocked those walls down. They just obeyed what God said. Faith provided a way of escape for Rahab, the prostitute, avoiding the destruction of the unbelievers because she received the Hebrew spies in peace. She did something, risked, risked taking, you know, risk putting her life at risk by taking in these spies. Wouldn't encourage you to take in any spies in this country, okay? Especially if they're Chinese. Just saying, okay? Because <clears throat> something's going to happen. There's a red wave coming. Anyway, next, next verse. Verse 32. <clears throat> and what more could I say to convince you? For there's not enough time to tell you of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets. Through faith's power... They conquered kingdoms and established true justice. Their faith fastened onto their promises and pulled them into reality. There we go. That's what I was talking about. Their faith, let me just repeat it again. Their faith fastened onto the promise and pulled them into reality. <clears throat> you see in what you see, you can seize. It was faith that shut the mouth of lions, put out the power of raging fire, and caused many to escape certain death by the sword. Although weak, their faith imparted power to make them strong. Faith sparked courage within them, and they became mighty warriors in battle, pulling armies from another realm into the battle array. That's pretty cool. Your faith can pull armies from heaven, from another realm, into battle. Faith-filled women saw their dead children raised in resurrection power. We're almost done, guys. Don't grow weary. Let me get out the big spoon. Do I need to stop and burp you for a minute? Okay, I'm just kidding. <clears throat> Do you see that? She just slapped me <laughs> on the arm, but still, it was a slap. Yet it was faith that enabled others to endure great atrocities. They were stretched out on the wheel and tortured. What? What is that? You guys better look that up on Google, Ethan. What does it mean to be stretched out on the wheel and tortured? And the, yeah. Yeah. Basically, stretch, stretch, stretch until everything goes. I, I just let your imagination teach you the rest. I won't describe it. Sausage. I mean, okay, they were stretched out on the wheel and tortured <laughs> and didn't deny their faith in order to be freed because they longed for a more honorable and glorious resurrection. <clears throat> Some people have had to face death this way. They were told to deny Jesus. Just deny him. Just say with your mouth, declare out of your mouth that you're not a Christian and that he's not your Lord. And then you'll have your life. In many, many. Get Fox's Book of Martyrs if you've never read it. Little tiny paperback book. You could probably read it for free on the interwebs. Fox's Book of Martyrs. And it goes from the, the disciples all through the Dark Ages when Queen Mary, Bloody Mary, was putting to death saints at the stake. 
describing them, putting packets of gunpowder in their armpits and between their legs so that the fire would actually cause the gunpowder to blow up so they would die quicker. Some refused it. They said, nope, I'm going to suffer for Jesus. Some of them carried their own wood to the burn pile and then were tied to the stake, but they refused to renounce Jesus. It's amazing. Faith that enables you to endure great atrocity. Stretched out on the wheel because you longed for a more honorable and glorious resurrection. Others were mocked and experienced the most severe beating with whips. They were in chains and imprisoned. Some of these faith champions, these are faith champions. They didn't escape death, but they're champions to God. Some of these faith champions were brutally killed by stoning, being sawn in two, slaughtered by the sword. These lived in faith as they went about wearing goat skins and sheep skins for clothing. They lost everything they possessed. They endured great affliction, and they were cruelly mistreated. They wandered the earth, living in the desert wilderness, in caves, on barren mountains, and in holes in the earth. Truly the world was not even worthy of them, not realizing who they were. See, God sees these people that have gone before us, and even today, people that are suffering for their faith. Maybe it's the Chinese underground church. Maybe it's the church in Afghanistan or Iraq that has to keep their faith secret, but they won't refuse Jesus, and they won't stop meeting together and worshiping the one who they know is real, who has eternal life. They're prepared to die. And we might see a picture of them thinking, oh, it's just some, you know, poor, poor Arab person, you know, in another country. God bless them. But I have a ministry that I'm going to pursue. These are the real champions, the ones that aren't afraid to lose their life for Jesus. These are the ones that God says, no, these are, these are my royal people. The world was not even worthy of them, not realizing who they were. And this is the last part. Yay, you guys made it to the end. Just want to encourage you a little bit. You're looking pretty drowsy over there. These were the true heroes, commended for their faith, yet they lived in hope without receiving the fullness of what was promised them. But now God has invited us to live in something better than what they had faith's fullness. This is so that they could be brought to finished perfection alongside of us. So they're before us. All of those champions that we just read about, they, are, they have gone before us all the way up to the people that we've lost in our own lives that are believers that have gone on before us as well. They're cheering us on. They're encircling us, and they're cheering us on. I don't know what they can see of the trials that we go through, but whatever it is that they're going through, that we're going through, I know that, that they are rooting us on. They're like, you can make it to the end. Younger people, you know, it's probably harder for you to imagine this because you got a whole life in front of you. For us who have lived half our lives or, you know, three-quarters, whatever, I'm not putting time expiration dates on anybody, so... Just take my words, not too seriously. But whatever portion of your life that you have lived 
and you have left, I know that the older we get, the more heaven becomes like a magnet. Heaven becomes this drawing for us, which could be dangerous for some of us who are older because instead of occupying until he comes, we might not occupy so much and just say, Jesus, come soon, come quicker. Is that thing going to start making some music? That doesn't matter. Why don't we stand up? Let's pray. Let's prophesy. Why don't you guys, uh, there's just a few of you on that back row. Just step up one row. Let's just kind of get together.